Hi, this is the Zane Lowe interviews on Apple Podcasts, and I'm Zane Lowe. Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Kylie Minogue is a global icon of huge proportions. Now, you may be listening to this episode of the interview series and thinking, like, what? Like, wasn't she an actress on a soap opera? And I've sort of lost touch with the whole thing. Like, oh, wow, where have you been? Kylie Minogue has taken so many twists and turns throughout her life and been unflinchingly honest, not only through her music, but also in a very inspiring way through her communication, the way that she reaches her fans. Talking about her health battles, her relationship battles, losing loved ones, all of it shows up in this beautiful pop structure. Sometimes it's heartbreaking and sometimes it's uplifting, but it's always honest. Kylie Minogue is one of the most beloved pop icons ever. Which brings us to 2020 and a brand new conversation that we had revolving around her new album, which is called Disco. This is nothing new to Kylie. She has been dancing beneath the mirrored ballroom of life on and off throughout her whole career. But this time, there is nothing subversive at its core. It is just pure, modern disco music with an eye on the dance floor and release. Now, that may seem like a simple concept, but when you've been through the kind of challenges that Kylie Minogue has been through, keeping it simple and keeping it fun, that is pure self-fulfillment. Reaching a point in your life where you're willing to let go and enjoy the life that you have. Myself and Kylie Minogue in a conversation where that just spills right out into all subject matter. I hope you enjoy it right here on the interview series. Look at your environment that you're in right now. I oh know, my gosh, we've gone <laughs> we've gone into Stella. This is the best I could do, Kylie. This is the best I could do. I had to go for like that for like the basic Marriott sort of beige curtain background vibes. That's the best I'm, I could I'm do. I'm hoping those curtains are gonna open and there'll be another reveal or something. <laughs> I'm gonna open those <laughs> curtains, you're gonna see my neighbor having a shower, is what you're gonna see. See, all my budget's gone straight up. There's no there's no <laughs> second level. I don't buy that for a second because you simply cannot say that when you've made an album as rich sounding as this. My gosh. Oh my god, wow. how brilliant. <laughs> Start to finish, just absolutely dripping in tasteful disco. Like, and this is someone wow, who is deep you. in the disco game. Like, I'm a fan, and as a DJ, deep disco. you know, oh, deep disco. I love it. I love crying on the dance floor. I love the emotion wrapped up in it, and I oh, love the fact gosh, that you can really you. stretch out into 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 your creativity in a way that is just so purely fabulous. That's what it sounds like to me. It's just fabulous. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm in that stage where just little by little, there's someone I meet like you that's heard the entire album. And to me, yeah. it's like, it's, it's just so amazing. So I'm really moved right now. Oh, well, that's awesome. And that's why you do it. I mean, the way I look at music is you make it to express yourself, to be able to release something that you can't say normally. But then the reason that mm. you release it is to know that you're not crazy and that you're not alone. Yeah, but what does make you feel crazy is trying to explain the music. If I'm out of breath, it's like we're just about, I reckon we've just crunched the gear into fifth. And I haven't settled into fifth, but but that's where that's where I am. So trying to explain something like say something or, you know, it's just, I think you're right. You say it, you, you create it and sing it to just let it go and do that which we can't do. 
you can settle into fifth now, Kylie, because um, we're just going to talk about music and about life, and we're just going to have a really honest, really straight-up conversation um, because I cool. love this album. So I'm starting out, and you know I'm a fan because we met a few times before, and you know I've sort of bumbled my way through various other conversations with you. <laughs> yeah. Going through your life's work, focusing on music right now, I realized something, and I hope you take this in the best way possible. You are beautifully weird. You have made so many strange <laughs> twists and turns throughout your career. And it's it's yeah. like you realize it when you look back at, at, at this body of work, just how adventurous, hard in the moment to see it because every record exists in its own terms. But to look back at the whole journey, you are an adventurer. Like you have been experimenting for a very long time. Um, how does that make you feel? Well, it feels amazing to... to um to have that recognized because I guess, you know, it's like, she's Pop Kylie, she's Pop Kylie. I am Pop Kylie, but um, I don't know. Some of the, the the turns I've taken when I've gone on to like on my highway of music or pop or whatever we want to call it, yeah. sometimes I go in different lanes <laughs> and sometimes yeah. I just go like I turn off by the gas station or, you know, go yeah. like – Hi, James Dean Bradfield. Great to meet you. Want to make some music? I mean, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. brilliant, weird, awesome, you know, suggestions. So, yeah, to have that that recognized is is amazing. And I think it all it, it only enhances the super highway anyway, just to have a little break from being on that freeway or that highway. I love it. I mean, I just, I assume everyone loves it. Maybe that's not true, but I certainly love it meeting other people, working with other people, that unspoken thing between artists. You don't you don't even talk about it, but you just feel like I, I just understand you a little bit. Or at least I feel a bit more understood in the room with you. I don't know. It's a really cool thing. Because I think we're all just trying to figure it out ourselves and working with other people. Uh, it feels like that's a that's a great tool to not feel so alone in this <laughs> wilderness. Totally. No, it's you're absolutely right. It's a microcosm experience to be in that creative environment, to be vulnerable with someone that maybe you barely know. You get to know them over the course of the process. And you're right, it enhances the universal human experience because if you can do that, we can do it as a massive group of people hearing this music. It brings it all together. Um, as someone who has collaborated brilliantly throughout your life, what is important to a great collaboration in your experience? What have you learned that makes a great moment working with someone? I've got different answers going through my head and none of them, there's not one that really nails it. It's various things. The unexpected, mutual respect, dream come true kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, all sorts of things. Who was the dream come true for you? Uh, well, I had a, I had an almost dream come true, uh, which was with Prince. I <laughs> met him, I mean, ha. Huh. I just a little bit, a little, little, little part of me just melted. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I mean, as a 14 year old hormonally charged uh, music maniac, <laughs> Prince was just it. And then I, I went to see his show, God, early 90s uh, at Earl's Court, RIP Earl's Court. Um, and got to meet him afterwards, and I don't know where I plucked up the courage from, but I said, oh, I'm making an album if you 
If uh, I don't, I don't know what I said. Whoa, I have no idea. This is before phones out. and stuff. You yeah. just went in. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm more, I'm more gutsy than I kind of make out sometimes, uh, even to myself. So, yeah. So we just kind of hung out. Don't even know what that means. We hung out, and, and he kind of put me on the spot a bit. It's like, so where are your lyrics? And I was like, I don't, I, I don't. Where do you want your mic set up? I. I uh, uh, <laughs> it was too weird, and um, and I must have seen him a couple of nights. I wish I had, like without phones, the memories. There's just bits I can't really yeah. remember how many yeah. days it was over or whatever. And um, he, uh, so I just like wrote some lyrics. I didn't even write songs then. I mean, I kind of wanted to, but I didn't really. And uh, gave him some lyrics. And this is just so the old days. I love it. I guess. There was a, I, I spoke with him on the phone, I think, and he said, so my dri- my driver's going to drop over the cassette <laughs> and the driver arrives. One of those Home Alone moments, bing bong on the apartment. I'm, there's no one to share this with. There's a cassette in my hand with Prince singing a song called Baby Doll that I kind of was involved with, but he just, you know, the he who slept four hours a night or something and just created stuff the rest of the, the other 20 hours. Yeah. And uh, so that that was my almost. We didn't record it. Um, I Why? visited him in Paris. I don't know. Well, actually, I do know. I suggested it to my label and I think he would have wanted to do it all and they weren't into that. So that was that. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I might have been kind of gutsy, but I wasn't, I, I don't know, I wasn't sure enough of myself to say no. <laughs> Push back on that, right. But tell me you still have the cassette. I don't know where the cassette is. I I don't know. But I did an interview with um, someone the other day, like a real music buff in Australia, and he said that apparently the estate, you can only imagine how much music there is that that he created. um, So I think he said that, they have it or you heard they have it. But, you know, until I know that, I don't know. I'm sure I'll un- unearth it somewhere. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't a dream come true. But well, close to dream a, come true. Close to. Things that, that make perfect sense. Like Robbie Williams and I in mm-hmm. 2000, 2000? Game changer. Uh, Game changer. Doing, Game changer. Doing kids is like you're both there and it makes sense. And then Nick Cave and I, it's like, well, you're there and you're there, but somehow you meet perfectly in the middle. You've always been this artist, I think, that artists across the board mm. really admire. And I think a part of that is because as someone who really landed on the world stage on television on a huge TV show, massive, mm. massive moment for you as a young, a young person, you turn to music and a lot of your peers tried music most of the cast at that time had a crack at it. Yeah. You stuck at it and you have made it really ultimately the, 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 the constant narrative throughout your creative life is the music as opposed to the other things. The other things ended up working within the music. And I think that's something that artists really love and respect about you is that you always come back to music. So as you release your 15th album right now, mm. what it, was it always music? Did people get it wrong when it was Neighbours? Was it always music? Ah. Uh. Do you know what? I think it always was because I I do remember being like eight, nine, even to ten, like 
So I was 10 and 78. And I, I, I've just have been talking about this with disco and my first, you know, how it was just in my system, in my system. But um, I did have this little daytime fantasy when I was young, I reckon maybe eight or nine, that um, that the father who lived next door would hear me sing and that he would be a record producer. So I remember having that kind of, but I thought every kid had that. But then if you want to be the Ronaldo of the football world, you might think every kid wants, you know, that was my thing. And I don't recall having the acting dream when I was younger. It was music. Um, I don't recall having the fame dream either. I just, it was just, I think I just wanted to sing. It took me a long time to get okay at it. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean. But so acting was was not something that I pursued when I was 11. It just came through a, a friend of my mom's. They were looking for someone for a TV show. They asked my mother if she would take uh, me and my sister in for the audition. What do we know about the acting world or anything? So off we trotted and... I got the role, so I had that little bit of experience in TV, not because I was nagging my mum. I didn't go to stage school. I didn't do any of that stuff. Mm. Um, but I did go to music class when I was four years old. So I think... It was always music. I've actually I've actually never really told the story like that. But, yeah, if I'm looking at, was it that one or that one, music would be the, the, the winner. Oh, wow. And you have given so much to music. Um, you have... I was just going through your records before we spoke because I need to remind myself. Oh my God, WOW is out of control. There's a little bit of Greg Kirsten there. Well, he's a genius. I mean, I love Greg. So we wrote that song. Oh, I love that song. So So that was born in Ibiza. We were in this. (laughs) No shit. Listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. That was a, and that the was a little here. dream come true moment. And I remember the first time I heard that song and, and you know, you were, you were still, I mean, everything you were putting out was smashing out the pipe. But the first time I heard that song, I was like, I have to play that song in my DJ sets. Like, oh, God. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm sorry. I just had to nerd out. But my point was, are you going <laughs> to tell us a story about writing that song in Ibiza? So I'm not, I'm not going to get in your way on that. Oh, only that, you know, like Greg Kirsten is such a legend but I've got this amazing memory of him. So I'd been ill. I had breast cancer. I did all my treatment. I came back and made an album. And I just wanted to give myself a little, I just wanted to like, I don't know, just, I was so eager for freedom and for, mm. for you know, to, to, to see the horizon and, you know, to try to have nice stuff around. And so... I suggested, you know, could could we just go to Ibiza and and do some writing there? And maybe they just felt sorry for me. Is it okay? <laughs> like, just give her a break, throw the girl a bone. And um, so, yeah, I got to go to Ibiza with uh, Greg Kirsten and Karen Poole, who's an awesome writer, great, great pop writer. And she and I go yeah. back a long way as well. And so we rented this big villa that had this incredible view. And uh, Greg, actually, the mic that he'd ordered didn't arrive. 
And so we used the kind of backup one he'd packed in his case. It was all a bit kind of homespun. And the room that we would do the writing and recording in was his bedroom as well, which was just a big room with this, you know, kind of almost 180-degree view. And it's Ibiza, it's boiling. No, you can't have the AC on when you're recording. So we're just sweltering. I think I think Greg had like trunks on or something or other. Anyway, so we would look at the view and there was this little island out there. And we were, every day we would just go, wow, wow. There it is. First of all, there are no mistakes in Greg Kirsten's world. That microphone was never in his <laughs> luggage. He just wanted to get you in a situation <laughs> where you're recording in a really homemade environment. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> Very deliberate human. It makes total sense. The music that you released at that time, to me in a weird way, was the start of this in a strange way. I feel like you've been on the road to this to disco from the moment that you got this new lease on life. That it was mm-hmm. like, wow, wow. Like, look, yeah. look what's ahead wow. of me and, and look what I can actually go and do and the gift that mm-hmm. I have. And I feel like this album is a genuine reflection of that and 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 to some degree a stop on the road you've been on the whole time getting to a point where it's just like arms wide open staring at the sky and I'll just I'll take I'll take it all I'll take it all <laughs> yeah give me the lasers give me the lights give me the floor that lights up and just play play don't stop eternal yeah. infinite just yes. go start to finish and you you are in such a great form in such a great space. How did you get to this place where music and life were going to reflect each other in perfect harmony and you can make this really joyous record? When did you know this was what you're going to make? I knew I I know exactly when I when it was the seed was planted. And once it was planted it wasn't going to go anywhere. It's hopefully just going to grow. So um, the album Golden was more introspective, dealing with stuff. Lo- absolutely loved going to Nashville and having my two weeks there writing. I learned you, you just just being there and being with the the peeps there. It's like osmosis. You just absorb kind yeah. of lessons that you music city didn't even know you needed. Yeah, it just <laughs> it's like yeah. you're drinking it. Yeah, and um, so that was that. That did mirror my life then in that I was just trying to get back on terra firma, just go, wow, that was just a really human experience I went through that anyone can relate to and deal with, deal with a breakup, tail between my legs, what was I thinking, how did I get it so wrong, move on. So I, I'm always cautious to say it wasn't a breakup album, it was a, I was reclaiming my, my sense of self and just kind of confronting, okay, that was that. I can I can see clearly now. That's what that album was about. And so for this one in 2018, sorry, backtrack a bit. In 2018, I did the Golden Tour. So it had that kind of, obviously, the, the country influence and the, the loose narrative that no one really needed to fully understand at the show, but it was there, was... We had this imaginary world. It's like, imagine Donna Summer is in LA, but she's got a she's got a gig at Studio 54. She's got to get to that that night, but the planes can't, the flight's cancelled. So they get on a bus. So it's this journey. They go via Nashville. Now they're in a bar, they're in there, they're there, and they end up at Studio 54. So we had this little the 
the final section of the show pre the encore, which was Studio 54. And it was, well, our fantasy version of what it yeah. might be like and, and what we can put in trucks and tour around. And it was just the coolest place to be. It was just, you know, all the dancers had characters. They they were all like, we had Elton John there. Um, we had, oh God, like, you know, a version of Grace Jones, uh, Andy Warhol. You know, again, you didn't, they weren't like kind of um, clown versions, but it was just to kind of get the spirit. So I knew then, even though I was promoting Golden Album, that this was a really nice you place to, to be. There. You wanted to stay there. Yeah, I wanted Studio to stay 54. there. And then in 2019, I did the the Greatest Hits tour, so we kind of kept that section. And then for so, you know, at that point in time, I'm I'm just I was like I can't wait to get back in the studio. I know we we can't fit the hits in a show anymore, but I want to go back in the studio. So to your point about the album being um, kind of future looking, I feel like that's where where I'm at at the moment. Life's pretty good. I mean, 2020 is <laughs> is is its own thing. Um, but you know, in in my little world, making this album, it was good. I just I just wanted to. I think you explained it much better than I just did. No, it's it's. I mean, what it sounds like to me is an artist who is taking control of your narrative and deciding that actually, there's a as you said, there's a future. There's a lot to look forward to and a lot of things to. Because and I do there's feel- a whole lot that we don't know and you yeah. can't explain, hence the Starfield. It's just you can grab onto something at certain points in time, but you just don't know. So try to enjoy the glow that you can feel at any point in time. That's right, and it's got to be in the moment, and you have to appreciate the moment as best you can. Really hard. It takes a huge amount of practice, and, I mean, there are people who spend, you know, their entire lives sitting alone on the top of a mountain to try to get to that level, to ascend to that level. Yeah, it's not easy I've, for us. That's- totally bypassed me. I, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. What's fascinating to me is that there's a protective, there's a, there's a sense of protectiveness that, that your fans, that we feel toward you at times. I think because you've always been so honest and upfront through your music, when you've had a hard time, you put it in your music. When you had a really hard time with your health in the middle of the first decade of the new millennium, you were so honest and upfront mm. about it, so inspiring about it. But it was in everyone's nature to want to support you, and that can lead to a place where people want to overprotect, right? Even though we don't know you, we want to overprotect, overprotect. And I wonder sometimes, even with the best of intentions, given how this record sounds, whether that can be heavy sometimes to feel like people are constantly looking out for you and worried, and you become this this kind of source of concern when you're like, actually, I'm good. I'm making my music. I'm living my life. This is my this is my journey. You know, for you and for people in the UK and Australia, uh, and maybe some other places, that being pretty much in their lounge rooms twice a day before the World Wide Web, when really stuff that made it into your home was on the one TV in the house. That I think that's the other reason people feel protective of me, and I, I. I, I treasure that. I think that's incredible. Does it limit me in any way? Um, I just try to mind my P's and Q's, which I don't when I'm, in, when I'm not in public. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's the, the inner kind of trucker in me comes out. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there, there is the pres- your presentation to the world. But I do think after 30, 
20-something years, unless you're Meryl Streep or the best actor in the world, you can't pretend. And people see through that and people can yeah. can read your truth anyway. So, um, you know, they've given me their hearts and it makes sense for me to want to give that. There's interruptions that can get in the way when there's, you know, the, the pe- people or situations or press or whatever it is that, that want to interrupt that flow. But yeah. I think the the those things aside, uh, that kind of that flow of love is is incredible. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, when you stepped on stage at Glastonbury, and then it wasn't just oh even the crowd. Don't even. Wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even just the people in attendance, which was I've never seen anything like it. It was, and I've been a lot. And I'm watching this, I'm, but I'm watching this on TV with everybody else because I'm not even there. Yeah. And then I realize I'm mm. one of 4 million people watching this thing. And it's like to have mm. a moment like that when you realize as a human being, you've touched so many people. That must be one of those yeah. moments that you actually allow yourself a chance to just reflect and respect the situation that you're in rather than just keep moving forward. It's so hard for me to 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 uh, to break Glastonbury down because it was so many things. Um but the yeah the, the 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 human the humanity of it and the connection and the history that that was just the most it was just oh it was it was off the charts meantime i'm thinking oh my god don't do that i was like i was worried about so many things i was thinking there's going to what if we have like a real spinal tap moment there's five huge things on this stage that just loaded on uh, after David Attenborough, actually. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. And, cool. Um, you know, I'm worried about all the technical stuff as well. And, and, and yeah, sh- things do go wrong with it, especially with the plug and play. But, um, but the, the, the emotion and the, the, the humanity, I mean, that's all you saw was humans. It was just, I will, no doubt, never experienced anything like that again in my life. You said something before that really stuck with me, which was it wasn't really the acting dream and it definitely wasn't the fame dream. It wasn't something that crossed your mind when you were a kid. And you have, without a shadow of a doubt, been and lived your life um, in a way that is so thoughtful and so private and yet so famous. It's a crazy balance of the two. You have... You have wrestled your <laughs> privacy away from everybody in the most in the most dignified way. I kind of have. I've, I've tried to anyway. I I there's. I think it's impossible to have a solid and definitive line. You've got to have a little bit of give and take, or I, you you just lose the plot. Um, and one day when I actually stop and give a lot a lot of thought to how everything's panned out, I might find you know, really find the, the, the path that I've taken. Um, but I was pretty much thrown into it. I mean, Neighbours was just, Out of I was just happy to have a job and <laughs> thought it was going to be, well, I was contracted for between one and 12 weeks. I didn't get my doll check because I got a job. And, um, and yeah, one thing led to another, and then it was us young kids doing all the interviews, and that was my schooling. I just no, no one's ever explained it to me or told me what how to, to do or how to do it. it. But I like my privacy. <laughs> you like your privacy, but it's funny because you don't 
let that desire for privacy get in the way of life experience. That's what I think. Well, I'm really glad that a lot of my life experiences experience was before phones and you know everything yeah. being filmed all the time. I got to go to the clubs, and if you weren't there, you weren't there. You had to be there and experience it, and I love that. And I hate to sound like that old person that goes on about it, and the kids like Shanna, you know, yeah, we know there weren't there weren't phones, and we know that all of that, but but it was so I different. Love that I got to do all of that without feeling like you're going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be live streamed somewhere. This brand new album, Disco, as we, as we swing back into the moment and we talk about the vocals and the melodies and then we talk about the melodies and we talk about the words and we talk about the performance. This is a performance record, straight up. Like everyone has built around <laughs> yeah. you, but you are singing across this whole thing and you sound like you're having so much fun singing on this whole record. And, and Yeah, except for the day I was nearly in tears. <laughs> okay, you raised it. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Timu was a, is a, this beautiful guy and producer who I only know in two-dimensional form from the waist up, although we've spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. No, but you're right. There's, there's a ton of melody, like lead line melody in this album, which I'm just rediscovering now that we're working on live versions. Live Oof. versions. I'm going, going <sighs> yeah, you got your work cut out for you. Yeah. And I, we just had a rehearsal the other day and I was with um, two, two BV singers. So, and I just had to stop and kind of uh, make myself feel better. I said, did you feel at any point in that, like, that, you're, that you, your solar plexus or your diaphragm or something is just going, <laughs> squeeze the light, Get to the end. Kylie, they're paid the to agree bit. with you. They're paid to agree with no, you. They're they going to be like, oh, yeah. It. Oh, that's tough in there. Well, that was a tough one. That was and a you t- think then, that, then they went to put the kettle on and went, weekly. <laughs> that was like the easiest vocal out, I've done all day. What's she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> out of the game for too long. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> tons of melody, tons to do. Tons I to do. I think having just toured and really just, I think I, I've always loved touring, but I think I've, I, I finally know what I'm doing, even though there's always oh. that space that you don't because there's just always stuff to learn and new things to do, but just actually feeling mostly confident and, and loving it. So I think when I'm recording now, I'm, all, I'm all already thinking, how, what's the live version going to be? You don't know which song's wow. going to be a single. You don't know which one's going to hit. That's so cool. It's so cool that you've worked that out at this point. I mean, because I've seen you perform multiple times and you seem in your element at all times. I think we forget as fans that there is this inbuilt vulnerability about performance, that there's this sense of really laying yourself bare in front of people. And I think that we forget that. And so for you to get to a point now where you're like, actually, it's more looking forward to it than worrying about it. It is kind of testament to the hours you've put in, I guess, and the the life experience. I appreciate it and I love it so much that I've got that experience now. You've got you've got the stuff the stuff that you can you you just have to you just have to do it and and get it in your system and then have mm. the um have your box of tools that when that goes wrong and that goes wrong and that goes wrong what which tool do you get out to fix it in the split but we, second? But we all forget that the mistakes are kind of that's to some degree what the we mistakes all love. are normally the best parts. That's the I mean, best I've part. had so many moments where I've come off stage and got 
What's the what's the most epic <laughs> fail of uh-huh. all time that springs to mind? Well, I've taken a couple of stacks, that's for sure, which is just, you know, you, your pride. It just takes an absolute no That stop. can be I've dangerous, never... though. That's that's not that's not even it's a blooper all reel. It's dangerous. Because it, it, that's really <laughs> dangerous. Like, people break things when they fall off stages or fall off, you know, rises or whatever. Yeah. Well, I didn't go, you know, into the pit, but, you know. So there's that. I would say uh, mostly it's close calls. One was just there, just... In Sydney one night, they're just, I, you know, you're waiting for your your cue from band leader and um, nothing's happening. So I just turn into a stand-up, well, as best I can. As I'm like, oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, hello, madam. Yes, you. You're looking fabulous, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I'm like, who am I right now? But just kind of tread water, trying to tread water. And you just kind of glancing over like someone what what's happening and then you know got the the heads up that you know systems broke it's down it's yeah. down just cover and i think i covered as long as i could and i think i was in a showgirl outfit so it just felt really wrong like right. if you're in it's a bit hot. more casual you could kind of be a bit more i don't know like you're at a club or a pub i know but it was just like she's meant to be really kind of buttoned um, up Grand or something. Yeah. And I think in the end I just said, well, okay, we've got to, I, I'll be back. And I just had to, like, me and my feathers trotted the off really sad. The facade's just gone. Everything just falls apart. Gone. And, you, of course, you don't know, is it a, is it ever going to come back on or is that, is that it? anyway, it, it comes back. I go back out. Baz Luhrmann was there that night, who we all adore. And yeah. he goes, I said, oh, I'm so so sorry, I'm so embarrassed that part that didn't. He said, that was my favorite part. I thought that was the best. Like, because you you get to chat with the audience and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, nothing t- where's wood. Nothing that um Is that before Moulin Rouge? It was after Moulin Rouge. So so I was gonna say after, that was your audition for yeah. Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yeah. The other one that was quite close was um the fever tour in 2002. And mm. the opening section I come up in the the big um cyborg kind of thing and and my arms I'm holding the mic but my arms are there and it's semi-automated you know the thigh panel goes that one goes the arm the arm the head and finally I can get to the first line no it didn't and and there is just there's a guy below the stage that presses the button so or each button and so each night it would be maybe within a space of two seconds so I I would know that yeah there it is. There's the next part. Oh, that's a bit of, but tiny. And so one night, there she is. And, um, okay. All right, that's a bit longer than normal. <laughs> You're stuck. Okay, we, I actually, and I, I was thinking, oh, no, this is going to be the moment that there's been this incredible, this like, just spinal, spinal tap. tap. Here this she is. is. Tap. And I just thought they're just going to have to go... <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna come out with tools and start to like drill it open. They have to start literally, literally prying you open with pliers. But thankfully, one of the there was a plan B, which I didn't know, or maybe oh, there wasn't. It. They told me there was, but a dancer came oh, over, all it. in kind of robo character, and peeled <laughs> the parts back. Wow, bonus! I had another night where my showgirl outfit, the 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 kind of tail part, fell off. <laughs> 
and put it back on. I was dying. I was like, this is so, this is just, this is just 50 shades of wrong. This should not be happening. It, it, it 50 was shades of so, wrong. So this bloke comes up on the stage. He's like, huh, what? And it oh, kind man. of like this you this structure kind of like juts into something that's built on the course. I mean, it's a contraption, those outfits. Yeah. And I could yeah. just hear his voice down my mic. It went, it's Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, I can't do the rest of the show and strut around without the tails, you know. And I think I just just kind of oh managed to. God. I don't remember. Maybe I gave him my mic and I just, because I kind of knew the action of it anyway. Yeah, also when it goes wrong, not in a live situation, but maybe not wrong with the record, but not exactly right. And so yeah. you were forced to go, hmm, what, where, where did I, where did I, in my heart of hearts, feel that that wasn't quite right or where did I think it was right and it just wasn't, you know? So there's this moment. But that's interesting to me because along. actually, but actually those records often are the ones that that time is kindest to. Because if you fall mm. in love with something in the immediate moment, people will love this disco record. It's so incredibly endearing from the get-go. But some of the stranger times, some of those moments you've been a bit more experimental, I think time has been kind to those moments and I think that they afford you the chance to experiment. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And just the mention of time, you reminded me of something else, that in wrapping up this album and me just being a, a details maniac, um, and now that I have a mic in my house and I can say, I just, I just want to try that, but I'll send it to you tonight. And when, when do you stop? And um, I spoke with my A&R right before we, you know, it was like, we've got it. This is it. It's being sent. It's done. And... I'm always nervous at that point. And he said a really yeah. cool thing. He said, well, he said, man, it just, you know, it marks a point in time, doesn't it? And it just made me feel so much better. I thought. He's right. Oh, yeah, it does. That's. He's right. We could keep going and then it will mark a different point in time. But at this point in time, this is the record we've made. What are you going to do live-wise this time? How are you going to disco it up? Because it's so artistically orientated this project that the, the cover perfectly speaks to the music and then to take that mm. live again you ended the last tour in studio 54 is that where you're going to start again pretty much i think i mean it's it is a it's a dreamscape right now of the idea of touring if when how if when why what um but my my vision i have whether this would come to to be or not is um some usually the concert is I've never performed in the round so Ooh. I've always been here and we want you to look at what's going on we want you to feel it too but we, we want you to look at it but I feel like there's parts of what this tool would be with a lot of this album and then dipping into all the you know whack slow in there whack wow in there whack you know other part other parts that fit into this Bangers, world. I think is the word you're Bangers. looking for. <laughs> and just have like the biggest disco ball ever made. And I just would love the idea of a show where almost like people don't feel like they have to look at what's going on on stage. They're just, we're just all at a big nightclub. It's a club. I don't know. Like, like totally. this, basically this, but just, you know, just how awesome they, they would have felt listening to Donna Summer, Love to Love You, best record 
better, you know, my dream of dreams. But yeah, that that's how I would like to. You've to- made a record to do that, though. It is such an honest and 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 really faithful modern interpretation of what it feels like to to. Let yourself go in a disco environment. It is such a unique thing to do. It is like it's a combination of emotion and joy that disco really, really brings to life when you get it absolutely right. Yeah, and that some of the best disco, as we know, is is really sad. And it's just it's dressed in in sequins and it's and it's lit with colored lights. And of course, disco's history is is um, rooted in the, the the need and desire to have a place to express yourself and be. Be yourself without judgment or not be yourself. I mean, whichever way yeah, you're inclined. Yeah, or invent yourself. Um, yeah. yeah, and and I think, you know, Studio 54, is, there's just, it will forever be a source of inspiration for so many people. It's revolutionary music, actually. When you when you actually think about it, I mean, it was invented at a time. It was it was sexual it was mm-hmm. sexual revolution music. It was racial mm. se- revolution music. It was it was class revolution music. It was music that was yeah. designed for people who were outsiders to go to a place where they could feel as one. Yeah, that's what it was invented. Yeah, for. creating their own worlds and and drugs. A lot of drugs. And a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. of drugs. <laughs> we didn't have that have that at our studio fifty four. Actually, there were one one iteration of the stage design had the moon and the spoon, and I said, "You literally, you cannot do that." Like, <laughs> I draw the line. You can't do that. <laughs> we never got the story about the tears. What were you? What were you? What was going on when you were trying to record your vocals and you were in tears? So, yeah, finished. The bulk of the album was done in lockdown. So uh, I was like, uh, you know, I had the bit between my teeth, and I was. First, I realized I had two like very basic bits of equipment that I could plug into my laptop and 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 get on GarageBand, which I did, which Amazing. I had never done before. So, the but it best. seems so kind of that's prep school for me. Oh, but it's not though. That stuff is incredible. I mean, I made an entire album on GarageBand. I mean, it's and it's did one of the they? cool things about it. Totally, their debut album. And what's really cool about about that stuff is that when you actually take that step, that leap, you realize it's just the ideas. It's a pure, it's a tool for your own creativity. I know people who have mastered that stuff and I know people who are so naive at that stuff and they both make great records. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, So I did that. Then we ordered the, you know, all the stuff and Timu was so helpful um, Timu Brunella. Uh, I was meant to come to LA to do a writing session largely with him. That was that was in March, so that didn't happen. And then we were setting up to do remote writing sessions. Hadn't even really thought about remote recording. I mean, it was just going to be writing. And uh, he, I was due to start with him on the Monday with LA time. So already trying to figure out how early can you happily be up and how late can I be up? And in the end, he um, just on that weekend prior or the Friday, he moved his family back to Finland. And he's so sweet. He was apologizing to me and the team said, I'm really sorry I can't do Monday. I'm, I'm moving my family back to Finland. And I just said, like, I don't, I don't know you, but I'm so happy for you that you would be going home, home. that you've got a flight, you can get everyone home. 
<laughs> so then we started our sessions with him in Finland, me in London. So we we got we figured it all out. I mean, so between him, Sky Adams, Troy Miller, everyone works slightly differently. There's always like 40 minutes of technical faff, uh, you know, buffer rates and what's the previous guy's setup been and how, like, just faff, right? And anyway, I was really into it. It was my, I guess, my coping mechanism with the world being shut down. And What now? Yeah. Yeah, so I was really obsessive about it. Um, But at the same time, just like everyone just trying to kind of understand the world or just deal with whatever, what life was. But I was home alone a lot. And at a certain point, the pressure, I just, I'd exhausted myself. I just go, 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 do it, do it. Juggling schedules, basically, you know, managing the the whole thing myself with do that, do, do that, do that. Uh, and there, there was definitely a day where a song called Miss much. the Thing, which, um, and and I will always try to fight through. I'll always do my best. But I just cracked that day. I said to T, and he could see it. I mean, he could just see it. I didn't, the tears didn't fall, but he could just see that I was, I just went, I, I just, I, I tried. I kept trying to get this vocal. And I was so, I was just so tense and upset and just felt completely drained. And, uh, and I just, I said, I can we just, I can't do it today. And I hate that. I hate it. I hate feeling defeated by, by something. That's that trucker. That's the trucker coming out again. Yeah. But turns out he did get the vocals he needed. I said, were they from that, you know, a few days later, I said, were they from that day? He said, yeah. So it's just your state of mind. It actually wasn't what was <laughs> the vocal I was delivering, but I just, yeah, it all got a bit much at one point. And then, then she came back. But she always does. She always does. And that's what's mm. so remarkable is that you always find a way to bring us something special. Your oh, musical so journey. You. Your musical journey is just stacked with amazing moments and consistency. It's, it's pretty chockers. <laughs> it's ramoed and it's just consistency <laughs> throughout. Like you go to every album and you're like, oh my God. Oh, hit fan favorites crazy album cut that just yeah. is such a deep, deep cut. You seem yeah. so happy at this point in your life and it's been such a life lived. I mean, talk about a beautiful tapestry. Long may it continue. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. What do you put that down to? How, do you, how have you found this place of kind of peace and stillness and excitement again to be able to make a record like this? Because you can't lie when you make an album like this. It's got to be a pure expression. I was pumped. I was so excited, like, to, and it really, so much goes back to Golden. Like, Golden was getting back on terra firma, figuring it out, going, I've fallen back in love with this. And then, and it actually, now I'm thinking about it, you, you're making me think about it more, that this, I wanted to reach a point where I could just, I could lift off. And we we did it. So Golden had to work. There's a lot of pressure on that. Um so that then I could go, right, let's get the jetpacks on and let's let's go. Um, yeah, let's tee it up. I, I, I guess because one of the things is it's, you know, when is it ever, 
right, what's wrong or right in in this craft? And you want, you know, there's only a certain number of notes, but there's endless songs you can create. It's like it's the biggest play room of all. So I can't help it. I love it. And I I try and I I love the 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 challenge part, you know, the trying part to reach different places, to get better, to do something different, new and exciting. I'm curious and tenacious. <laughs> you know, um, I can't believe our time has come to an end. It has been so, I can't it believe flown it. by at a rate of knots, let me tell you. I hope to see you again really soon. I can't promise you the starscape. It might just be my lounge <laughs> wall next time. I've made a strong first impression, but I might not be able to maintain it. Just an amazing time spent in the company of Kylie Minogue, albeit, you know, in the current quarantine scenario, but still she just has the most amazing energy and that's reflected in her brand new project, Disco. Go and check that out right now, streaming in full on Apple Music. Thanks to Kylie for her time. Thanks for checking out this episode. If you keep finding yourself back here checking out conversations and you haven't subscribed yet, do that. And please leave a comment and a rating. Always good to see. Thanks a lot.